Heads up, the end is near. The end of the year, that is. And we've got tax reminders that you need to know. Guys, am I glad to have you back with me for another episode? Not a minute too soon either, because the end of the year is closing in on us. I'm Eric Powers with Sky Blue Wealth, and I'm going to give you lots of heads up today about taxes and things that you can do to help make sure that you don't have to overpay when 2023 rolls around very soon. Before we dive into tax reminders, if you would, tap that follow button on your phone. That helps the show a ton. Thanks to all of those who have already subscribed. Major thanks. All right. We can't mess around. Tax time will be here before you know it. And the end of the calendar marks the time to get organized so that you don't have to do it around the holidays. Yeah, the holidays will cost you too. I mean, this year, let's say $300 turkeys, the way the food prices are going. So here we go. I'm going to get to several items and anything that we don't cover deep enough, please contact me and we can talk about it. And some segments we want to hit harder in this upcoming show. The things we're going to cover are the widow's exemption, the widow's penalty, PayPal and Venmo being taxed, IRS enforcement changes and the fear thereof. And we'll look at how the SECURE Act of 2019 could affect you and I in 2022 and 23. Also, I'll touch on how Social Security increases, although they are going up, are not keeping up with inflation as well. Not a tax issue, but definitely something to watch. We'll start with the widow's exemption. If you're a widow or a widower who lost a spouse during the past two years, you may qualify for certain tax breaks. Typically, you would not be eligible if you've remarried during the period and you're seeking the tax breaks, though. Any benefits associated with the widow's exemption can vary greatly. There are federal tax exemptions that may be of help to you, but each state may also offer a break. Property tax is one of them. For instance, Florida has a $50,000 homestead exemption for those who are 65 and up and have been widowed. To meet the federal requirements, it's more like threading a needle. For federal tax breaks, you must meet all of the following criteria we're about to discuss. For one, you have to be entitled to file a joint return which means your spouse would have had to have passed away within the past two years. Another is, and remember these are all things must be met for the federal exemption, you must not have been remarried before the end of the current tax year. And here's where it gets more restrictive. You must have a child who is a qualified dependent, and you live with the child in your home all year. And lastly, you must have paid more than half of your home's upkeep for the last year. See, any tax breaks do have lots of hoops to jump through. What about the so-called widow penalty? It comes down to this. If you're widowed, you could suffer because you end up in a higher tax bracket since you can't file jointly anymore. And filing single is a tax disadvantage. That's bad enough, but made worse because your income goes down since your spouse is no longer there. Say he or she was getting social security payments. Those will either be gone or your social security household income will be reduced. And now you're paying higher taxes on less income. All you have to do is look at our blog post with 2023 updated tax brackets, which is linked in the show notes, to see how much single filers have to pay versus taxpayers who can file jointly. It's a giant difference. You get hit from all sides, and that's why it's called the widow's penalty. If you have lost a spouse, I am truly sorry. Also, if you know a widow or a widower, give them a heads up. The so-called widow's penalty is often a total shock to the person that it happens to. You can imagine that after dealing with a terrible loss, finances are often a secondary thought and things get put off. Then a huge tax bill just adds to the pain. One tactic that some widowers are able to use is a partial Roth IRA conversion, but the timing has to be just right. 
There are lots of factors there, like the widow's age, for example, and what other income sources are available. Okay, so now let's pivot to PayPal and Venmo. Laws have been created to effectively tax electronic payments this year. In the past, you were still supposed to report income that came into you through PayPal or Venmo, but the new rule requires that these types of payment apps report directly to the IRS if you've received payments totaling more than $600. Not from one person or in one case, $600 for the entire year, no matter if you got $1 from 600 different people. So say you were selling on eBay or Etsy. In the past, you were expected to report your income, but the IRS didn't force those companies to file a 1099 for merely $600. As you can imagine, this new rule is going to cause a ton of extra pencil pushing for eBay, Etsy, freelance sites, and maybe crowdfunding sites like Kickstarter too. Now PayPal, which owns Venmo, could probably handle this extra administrative work. But think of the small businesses who have to send 1099s to several vendors and freelancers they use on rare occasions. Now to extend this a little bit further out, think about all the young people who swap money back and forth on Venmo, paying for lunch or splitting gas or whatever. How is the IRS gonna treat those transactions? Here's what an NBC article says. The tax reporting change only applies to charges for commercial goods and services, not personal charges to family and friends. But you guys know the IRS is a bureaucracy. They use a broad blade, so I can see this causing big problems for lots of Americans. Same as parents giving their teenagers gas money or allowance money like I do through Venmo. Or teens reimbursing their parents for paying for their auto insurance. It just appears this is going to lead to a mess. And the only tips that I've seen from three different CPAs is to label your transactions as gift when they're truly a gift and label them as reimbursements when that's the case. Venmo and PayPal do have a memo section that allows you to do that, but what if the person paying you forgets? What if some payment apps don't have a way to leave that note? Furthermore, just because someone labels $500 in PayPal as a gift, is the Internal Revenue Service really going to accept that as true? Remember, these guys aren't big on the honor system. So guys, please get with your tax professional now and ask what to do if they're sending or receiving lots of PayPal or Venmo this year. You want to be ahead of this thing before you receive 1099s or have to issue them. And speaking of the IRS, let's cover more of those bases. So we know about the new funding that they'll receive, $80 billion, that's where they be, and we know how our politicians like to play both sides of things. One side tries to scare folks by leaving out details. The other side likes to play dumb like Elon Musk is the only one that's going to get audited. So let's just look at some of the facts. Yes, the IRS will be hiring a pile of new agents, but this is actually going to take place over several years and it's not an overnight thing. Heck, they probably can't find any workers just like any other business at this point. But still, it's almost certain that more middle-class folks will have to deal with an audit. There's simply more middle-class people to go after. And get this, studies have shown nearly half the audits target the lowest earners. And this is according to Washington Times and other news outlets. Another report states that the Congressional Budget Office informed lawmakers that audits of taxpayers making under $400,000 account for about $20 billion in revenue to fund the Inflation Reduction Act. Now you can do the math in your head and imagine most taxpayers are in this range, so it's a no-brainer that they're going to be the ones keeping the agents busy for the next 10 years. And unfortunately, that's just one more cost to a taxpayer who's being examined in order to hire professionals to help them address these audits. But one funny note that I saw, some congressmen posted a letter calling for decent Americans not to apply for these new IRS jobs. And there have been many motions to consider auditing all IRS workers, 
something I'd never heard of until this week. Apparently, there have been agents in the past who just didn't pay their fair share and went unpunished. Again, with any bureaucracy, it's not shocking. Moving on. So it should be clear that Social Security income is not keeping up with inflation, but neither could a cheetah, right? Let me pull the numbers on the 2023 versus 2022 Social Security benefits, and we'll see what we've got. There will be an 8.7% increase in Social Security for 2023. That's the biggest cost of living adjustment since 1981. The government raised the benefits based upon inflation, but it's called chained inflation, which means it's an adjusted rate. But no one really trusts the government's numbers on tracking inflation anyways, and that's just been the case historically. So listen to the real-world numbers versus government numbers just for a comparison to Social Security increases. One calculator, which we'll link to in the show notes, shows inflation categories. Year over year, they show transportation costs have gone up over 14%, and food prices have gone up over 9%. And anecdotal evidence? My favorite relish went from $3 to $5.29. And it's no longer my favorite, according to my wife. Now let's look at what you need to watch for from the 2019 SECURE Act. Most people agree that the act was a good thing at the time, a pretty good name helps. And it was voted in by a 417 to 3 margin. Experts said that it would help Americans better prepare for retirement. It led to small businesses having more options and incentives to offer employees IRAs. Plus, it pushed back the age at which retirement plan participants need to take required minimum distributions, also known as RMDs, from 70 and a half to age 72, which allows folks to save longer, which is a good thing. However, it was a different story for non-spouse beneficiaries. Before the SECURE Act, if you inherited an IRA or a 401k, you could leave it in the account for the rest of your life and draw on it as you wished. But now this law made it so that you're forced to withdraw that money before the 10 years is up. This is a problem if you inherited a hefty IRA in your 40s, which happened to a client of mine, which happened to also be his highest income earning decade. Thankfully that year, we also had the one-time option to be able to elect over his lifetime, but it is a true problem for many others whose tax rate could cause you to pay through the roof since you can't leave the IRA untouched past the 10-year mark. And there's some fuzzy parts of this law, which is 125 pages long and a thrilling read, I'm sure. For one, it wasn't initially clear when the 10-year countdown started. Is it the end of the year or the date of death? The start of the date had to be interpreted after the bill was passed. This kind of interpretation is common for most tax bills, by the way. Plus, there are gray areas about how beneficiaries are defined. Disabilities come into play if the beneficiary is disabled. There's specifications about that, but they're still murky. Also, be aware that if the original account owner had already begun RMDs, then died, the beneficiary was required to continue taking those RMDs. Otherwise, they could leave the account untouched until year 10 and withdraw it all at once if they chose, which would be wise since that would allow optimal money growth. Remember, yearly withdrawals take the money out of the market and lose the steam of compounding. We're getting towards the end, so let's do a quick recap. Like I said, we'll probably circle back in future episodes to get a little deeper with some of the topics discussed, specifically related to planning ahead of losing a spouse to reduce your lifetime tax liability. Of course, you can always give me a call if you need answers now before the 2022 tax year ends at 860-368-0827. Again, 860-368-0827. Now for that quick recap. We talked about discussing PayPal and Venmo transactions with a tax professional before tax time. We broke down the widow's penalty and the widow's exemption. The penalty hurts way more than the exemption can help. So again, it's crucial to prepare for major changes should something happen to you or your spouse. 
A plan in place can avert some of the financial pain that will come if you can no longer file jointly. We talked about the IRS ramping up enforcement, just another reason to keep your business and personal records organized. And then we also wrapped up with the impossibility of surviving on Social Security income alone, now more than ever with inflation off the chain. And our final notes were about changes to the 2019 SECURE Act interpretations and how that can affect IRA beneficiaries in the future. Again, plan ahead, way ahead. I can help you with that planning. Give me a call today and we can discuss questions you have and concerns you and your family have. Reach out now to prepare for things you can't foresee coming down the line. You guys enjoy the rest of your day and thank you so much for listening. Investment advice offered through Private Advisor Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor.